the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Hope that you're doing well. Thanks for joining me on this Monday afternoon. Want to remind you, Crosswalk Colorado Springs is Monday through Wednesday. It's a local show uh, focused in upon Colorado Springs in southern Colorado. Today, as we're just a, a few days out from celebrating the resurrection of Christ, Easter, I wanted to take some time to focus on the reality of Christ. First, before we jump into a deep dive of the resurrection of Christ, I want to encourage you to take the time to be in service uh, this Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church or never gone uh, to church. I want to invite you not only to Rocky Mount Calvary, but also to the wonderful churches that we have in the city that proclaim uh, Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been searching for Christ or there's a hunger in your life. You've realized that something is is missing uh, in, in your life. Well, I'd like to invite you to Rocky Mountain Calvary. We have a service Saturday night at 6 and then Sunday morning at 9 and 11. We're located at Austin Bluffs and Academy. We also have a campus out east in Ellicott that has a service at 10 in the morning. But we also have a sunrise service, and this is pretty fun. It's out at Vibes Baseball uh, Field, Barnes and Powers, just east of Barnes, 6.30 in the morning. We've been doing this probably for over uh, 10 years now. You never know what the weather's going to be like, but it's awesome. As the sun is coming up, we're celebrating the resurrection of, of Christ. One thing I don't want Easter to be in my life, and I'm sure you're feeling the same way is just a tradition, you know, just a meaningless tradition that we go through, but an opportunity to really stop and reflect upon the cross of Christ, but also his uh, resurrection. I wanted to begin uh, today's show with a quote about the resurrection of Christ by J.C. Ryle. says, the resurrection of Christ is one of the foundational stones of Christianity. It was the seal of the great work that he came on the earth to do. It was the crowning proof that the ransom he paid for sinners was accepted. The atonement for sin accomplished, the head of him who had the power of death bruised, and the victory won. Well put there by J.C. Arile. First thing I'd like to note uh, this afternoon about the resurrection is just how personal the resurrection is. When we think about the reality of the resurrection of Christ, one of the things that I love in the New Testament of the accounts of Jesus being raised uh, from the dead is he reveals himself to individuals personally. And Jesus is still doing that. The resurrected Savior is introducing himself to us in a very unique and personal way. I think of Peter, Simon uh, Peter, who just before Christ's trial, said, even if these deny you, I will 
never deny you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what took place. Jesus was warming himself by a fire, the enemy's fire, if you you would, while Christ was on trial. And they began to recognize Peter and say, aren't you one of his disciples? And said, I never knew him. And he began to curse. And Shortly after that, then the rooster did crow. And thankfully, Jesus went to the cross for Peter. He goes to the cross for Peter's sin, for my sin, for your sin. When Christ rose from the dead, he then goes to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Peter goes back to fishing, what he was comfortable with, what he was used to uh, doing. Fished all night, didn't catch anything, which is the case when. We fall away from the Lord, go back to those things that he has called us out of. Jesus cooks Peter breakfast. The very thing that Peter was looking for was found at the feet of Jesus. Calls out to Peter, to John, to the other disciples, says, cast your net on the other side. This rings a bell to John as they now take in a big catch of fish. The Gospel of John says 153 fish, John recognizes that this is the Lord. So he points Peter to Jesus. I need friends like that, that point me to Jesus. I want to be a friend like that, that points others to Jesus. And as soon as Peter recognizes that it's the Lord, he swims. I love that about Peter. He's all in and he has breakfast with Jesus. And Jesus asks Peter the very pointed question, Peter do you love me? Do you love me more than these other disciples? Do you love me more than these fish? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus asks him that question three times. Three times he asked the question. Three times Peter denied the Lord. And then he's commissioned by Jesus to go and feed his lambs, to tend his sheep. Peter's called to be the first pastor of God's church that he's about ready to birth. Only the grace of God, only the forgiveness of God. Think about the weight that was on Peter, his sin, then to see that Christ was risen from the dead, to see the wounds, the scars of Christ upon the cross, to know that he was forgiven. It meant all the world uh, to Peter. The resurrection was personal, and I hope the resurrection of, of Jesus is, is personal in your life as well. Mary Magdalene, she's actually the first one that Christ reveals himself to in his resurrected state. And Mary Magdalene had quite the past. She was demon-possessed, not with one demon, but seven demons, and Christ had set her free. Christ was everything in her life. She, she followed Christ. She was there at the crucifixion of Christ and the burial of Christ. And she's the first to go back to the tomb. And as she comes to the tomb, she finds it empty. Imagine that your Savior, your Lord, your everything has been brutally crucified. And you're coming to his tomb, to his burial place. And the tomb's been opened and the body is gone. And Mary is not in this place of being mindful of the resurrection. And in John's account, in John 20, we see that 
Jesus talks with Mary and she thinks that it's the gardener. She says, if you know where they've taken his body, let me know and and I will bring him back and, and bury him. Love knows no limits or boundaries. She's not thinking, how am I going to carry this dead weight of, of Christ? And then Jesus calls her by name. He says, Mary. It's personal. It's not just facts, but it, it's personal. Mary. And she wants to cling to Jesus. And Jesus says something that's very profound. He expresses to her, he says, don't cling to me because I must go to my father and your father. Jesus has accomplished the purpose of his coming, and that's to bring us into relationship with God as our father. We see this closeness that Jesus has with his father. And through the gospel, through Christ's death and, and resurrection, he says to Mary, I'm going to your father and my father. And what's unique is when we study the Old Testament, we don't see the nation of Israel addressing God as Father. They're addressing God as Lord. But here Jesus is saying, look, I've died, I've risen from the dead, and I've accomplished this to where now I'm going to my Father and your Father. And instructs Mary to go and tell the disciples, and she's that faithful messenger to go and express that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So, the resurrection of Christ is personal. It's, it's personal to Peter. It's personal to Mary. It brought about change in their lives. And hopefully it's personal in our lives as well that God is revealing himself to us personally. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. I'm a local pastor right here at Austin Bluffs and Academy. And we're talking about the resurrection. We're just a few days from celebrating Easter as believers of bodies of Christ. So stay with me. I'm going to be looking at some more accounts in the New Testament where the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so, so a personal. Don't go away. You're listening to Crosswalk on 100.7 The Word. Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you're doing well, that your afternoon is going well, your drive is going well. What plans do you have for this weekend to celebrate the resurrection of Christ? I want to dedicate today's show to the reality of the resurrection. What is the resurrection mean in our lives? Uh, first, the the resurrection is very personal. Just before the break, we were talking about Peter and Mary, Jesus revealing himself to them in his resurrected state in such a personal way. But now there's Thomas, doubting Thomas. And doubting Thomas really gets a, a bad rap, but he was a faithful and committed bro. <laughs> he went to Jesus and said, hey, if If we're going to die, I'm willing to uh, die uh, with you. He's hearing these testimonies that Christ is risen from the dead. Christ is revealing himself to uh, the disciples, but yet he's missing it. He's not there at those times when Christ is revealing himself. And is that the way you kind of feel? You know, others are 
receiving the revelation of Jesus, the reality of the resurrection in their lives, but somehow you just seem to be missing it. I remember growing up and feeling that way in a Christian home where seeing that my parents, my mom and dad, had this vibrant relationship uh, with Christ, but yet there was something missing for me. God seemed so far away. He seemed more distant to me than than even the outer space and Mars. And, and so Thomas is on the outside and God in his grace comes and reveals himself to Thomas and meets Thomas in his doubts. This is John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So know that Thomas is a twin, that he's one of the twelve disciples. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas is saying, look, I have got to see it to believe it. I've got to touch the wounds of Christ. If I don't touch it, if I don't see it, I'm not going to believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. This is a long eight days for Thomas. This valley of of doubting, this not trusting the testimony that his closest friends are expressing to him of the resurrection of Christ. But Jesus is gracious to meet him in his doubts. Jesus doesn't knock on the door, the doors are locked, and he just breaks in comes right through the walls in his glorified body, and he says, peace to you. It wasn't the first time that Jesus has done this with the disciples, and he puts his attention, he puts his a focus upon Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus knew. Thomas's doubts, and Jesus knows my doubts, he knows your doubts, and I think a lot of times as believers, we feel a lot of guilt and shame over having doubts, but the most important thing is to be honest with God about those doubts, be open to the Lord meeting us in those doubts, and Jesus says to Peter, go ahead, touch my wounds, I'm going to meet you where you're at, you said you needed to touch these scars, touch these wounds, go for it. So that's exactly what Thomas does. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas trusts the resurrection of Christ. He experiences the reality of the resurrection of Christ. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen, you've believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We don't see Christ right now in his resurrected state. We will as believers when we go home to be with the Lord. And Jesus encourages us that, hey, you're going to be blessed if you believe without a seeing. So let's peel back a few layers right now into our hearts and our soul. And as we think about the resurrection of Christ, is there any doubts that you're wrestling with right now? Maybe wondering like, God, why did you allow this to happen to me or to someone else that I love? I've I've been praying, but haven't really received the answer to prayer that I was looking for. 
The resurrected Savior wants to come and meet you, meet me in that valley of doubt. And I suggest to you that the resurrection of Christ is really the answer to our doubts. How so? Is that if Jesus died for our sins and rose again and he solved our greatest problem, he provided our our greatest need, and that was for the forgiveness of sin, then he's also going to be faithful in the circumstances and the situations in my life, even if I don't understand it. So there's a lot of things in my life that I don't understand. And as I wrestle with those things, a place of peace for me is the cross. The place of peace for me is the resurrection of Christ to know Father, you didn't withhold your son from me. You didn't spare your son. You gave your son for me on the cross. How will you not with him freely give us all good things? That's what Romans chapter 8 tells us and and declares uh, to us. And so I go, Lord, if you've died on the cross for me, you've risen from the dead, I can trust you in what I'm going through. So the resurrection of Christ was very personal to Peter. It was very personal to Mary Magdalene, to Thomas but also to Saul in the book of Acts. What I love about Saul's testimony, his conversion, is Jesus comes and reveals himself to Saul in a very unexpected way. Saul's been persecuting Christians. He holds the coats of those that were stoning Stephen to death. He watched Stephen be martyred and be put to death, and he was in agreement with that. And he's on the road to Damascus. He's headed to Damascus, which is in Syria, just north of of Israel, with authority to arrest Christians on his horse. He's on his high horse, literally. Didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Saw Jesus as a threat to the old covenant, this commitment to relationship with God through the law. And God knocks Paul off his high horse. Has God ever done that in your life? Humbled you, humbled me. And God speaks to Saul and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? As you're persecuting believers, you're persecuting Jesus. And Saul very interestingly asked this very sincere question and I believe that he meant it. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He was completely in a place of surrender to the Lord. Oftentimes when we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? We're like, well, God, I'll do A, B, or C. And really, I'd like to do A. But this was complete surrender to the Lord. And Saul experienced the forgiveness of sin, God's calling upon his life. In that moment, God also blinded Saul. So here he was in a place of brokenness and humility and told him that a man named Ananias would be coming to pray for him. God speaks to Ananias, and Ananias is like, God, are you sure? Am I supposed to go pray for Saul? He's persecuting Christians, but Ananias is obedient and prays for Saul, and he receives his sight. God was teaching Saul that you've been spiritually blind all of this time, and Paul comes to know grace through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Paul writes about the resurrection of Jesus, and we're going to talk about that more after the break. It was personal to Saul who had become Paul. And that's my prayer for me this Easter, for you this Easter, as you're driving around this afternoon to know that the resurrected Christ 
really loves you, really died for your sins and rose again and is present uh, in your life. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Thanks so much for joining me on this Monday afternoon. Today, we're focusing on the reality of the resurrection. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans chapter 6 when we come back after the break. So stay with me on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier, local pastor, local show for Colorado Springs, Southern Colorado. want to remind you that the show does turn into a podcast. You can find it at Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, anywhere you enjoy podcasts. So we're headed into Easter. We're just a few days away. I know as a church, we're really looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Encourage you to come out and also invite somebody to come with you, praying that God does a great work throughout our city as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So far, we've talked about how the resurrection of Jesus is personal. It's personal to Peter, to Mary Magdalene, to Thomas, to Saul. It's not just a a historical fact, though it is historically proven that Christ rose from the dead, but the resurrected Savior being present in our lives, revealing himself to us. I I love that. Now we're going to talk about how the resurrection of Jesus is vital. Paul, this man whose life was changed by the resurrection of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Christ, gives us a lengthy description of why the resurrection is so important in 1 Corinthians 15. So this is verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand. Have you ever wondered what the gospel is? Well, Paul is going to tell us very clearly what the gospel is, by which you are saved, If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. We're we're sharing the gospel that we've received that impacted our hearts and lives, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose the third day according to the scripture. What's the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. What separates us from the Lord is our sin, and Jesus took the punishment. He's the atoning sacrifice upon the cross for our sin. I love what's noted here is that it's according to the scripture. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would be crucified. Write this down, look it up later. Isaiah 53, this beautiful description of the sufferings of Christ, that he would be led to a lamb as a lamb to the slaughter, is silent, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Psalms 22, the psalm that's prophetic of the sufferings of Christ that he would go through upon the cross. So the crucifixion of Christ was predicted in the Old Testament. 
but also the resurrection of Christ. In Psalm 16, we see a very specific reference to the resurrection of Christ. David is writing saying that God would not leave the the Holy One to be corrupted in the grave. And he's not referring to himself. He's referring to Jesus. And the book of Acts, Psalm 16, is quoted of the resurrection. So the resurrection was prophesied in the Old Testament as well. And gang, this is good news. The gospel means good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, that all who believe are saved by by grace. And Paul goes on to describe these eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. And he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was skeptical, didn't believe that Christ was the Messiah until the resurrection, became a leader in the church, also wrote the book of Acts. So as you think about the resurrection of the Christ being personal, but also being vital, is to know that there is this historical backing of the resurrection. There's all these eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. Then last of all, he was seen by me. We talked about that at the break. As by one who is born out of due time. For I'm the least of the apostles, whom I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And we can all say that as believers. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Then Paul begins to ask this question, well, what if Christ didn't rise from the dead? Is it really vital that Christ rose from the dead? Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ didn't rise. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then our faith and our preaching would be empty. Our faith as Christians hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A great argument uh, that was put forth is if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he would be a liar or a lunatic because many times he claimed that he would rise from the dead. But if indeed he did rise from the dead, then he is Lord. So thankfully, Christ is risen from the dead and our faith is full and our preaching is full. Verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. So Paul's saying, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we would be false uh, teachers. One of the things that we see as Paul continues to go on in 1 Corinthians 15 is what the resurrection of Christ accomplishes in our lives, that it's absolutely vital that our faith hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But with Christ's resurrection, we have the hope and the assurance as believers that we too will rise and receive glorified bodies. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that 
glorified body. So this is verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish ones? What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another fish, and another of birds. So what's Paul talking about here? He's saying this idea of agriculture and how you put in a seed and you get something marvelous like wheat and our body is buried, but then we're going to receive a glorified body. Gives these examples of of different types of bodies, the body of the flesh of men and the flesh of of animals. So, so we go on in this text, and it says, "So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption; it is raised in incorruption." So, think about that. This physical body is going to die, but it's going to be raised up in in corruption. The end of 1 Corinthians 15, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Look forward to this in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your sting? O Hades, where's your victory? So Christ has defeated sin and the grave through his death and resurrection. And we have this confidence that we too are going to rise as believers. Thanks for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Stay with me. We're headed to a break right here on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Good God Almighty. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much for joining me on this Monday afternoon. We're looking forward to Easter, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins and rose again, the glory of the gospel. We've talked about how the gospel, the resurrection of Christ is personal. I hope the resurrection of Jesus Christ means something to you personally, that Jesus has revealed himself to you personally. If if that's not the case, cry out to Jesus this afternoon and ask him, say, Jesus, would would you reveal yourself to me personally? We see it with Peter. We see it with Mary Magdalene. We see it with Thomas and, and with Saul. We looked at how the resurrection of Christ is vital. Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith and preaching is, is empty. The resurrection of Christ is completely essential. But what I want to focus on in this last uh, few minutes is how the resurrection of Christ is powerful. It's powerful because the resurrection of Jesus 
provides the freedom from the penalty of sin, we're justified, we're forgiven, we're declared righteous, but it also provides victory over sin, that the power of sin has been broken in our lives. And this is Romans chapter 6. It says, What shall I say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So we're dead to sin. Why would we live any longer in sin? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? So we're identifying with Christ's death, his burial and resurrection. We're, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So as we identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, then we get to walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So the old man, it refers to our sinful nature. It refers to all of our sin, past, present, and future. It was crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ, but also my sin has been buried with Christ. It's been done away with, and now I'm risen in newness of life. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus to where now the power of sin doesn't dominate in my life. I'm able to rely upon Christ and through him have victory over sin. In verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. If we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, so this is the application to us, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This word reckon, it's not a word that we use very much unless you're from Texas. Lots of love to all of you from, from Texas, but it's actually an accounting term. It's this idea of doing the math. It's like balancing your checkbook. And when we look at truth, we reckon, we do the math spiritually, and we understand I'm dead to sin. I'm not going to try to find my life in sin any longer, but I'm alive to God. And just as Jesus died once for sin and now is alive, I'm dead to sin and I'm alive and want to surrender my life to Christ. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so the power of the resurrection provides salvation, provides the forgiveness of sin that we're justified, but also the power over sin that we don't have to remain slaves of sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. I'm sure all of us have some area of sin struggle in our lives that we're struggling to find victory in. It might be anger. It could be lust. It could be bitterness. You're like, there's no way that I'm going to forgive this person. They've just hurt me uh, too much. But the truth of scripture in Romans chapter six, the reality of the resurrection is the power of sin has been broken in our lives. 
in that moment of temptation, I can remember I'm dead to sin. I'm no longer finding my life in sin and I'm alive to God. I'm a new creation. I'm going to walk in this newness of life that God has given to me. Verse 12 of Romans 6, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. So don't allow sin to have that dominant position in our lives. Don't allow it to rule and reign us. And do not present your members as instruments of run righteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So be careful what we're presenting ourselves to. So here we are, a new creation of Christ Jesus, and are we presenting ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness? Say it's anger that's getting the best of me. Am I just routinely giving myself over to anger again and again and again, Or am I presenting myself to be alive to God, an instrument for righteousness? So God would want to do a work in our hearts and a work in our lives as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. I mentioned this earlier, but what I don't want for for Easter is just a religious tradition. God's not into that. He's not honored by that. But I want to walk in the reality of the resurrection. You know, what does it really mean to have the resurrection of Jesus Christ impact me on this Monday afternoon, impact you on this Monday afternoon? First is the resurrection of Jesus is personal. I mean, he comes in a very personal way to Peter who had denied the Lord, to to Mary Magdalene who was in so much sorrow over the death of Christ, to Thomas who was doubting, Saul who was living his life in absolute opposition to who Jesus is. And Jesus wants to come and present himself to us. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want you to hear this, that Jesus is alive and well. And he loves you. He died for you. He rose from the dead. And he wants to introduce himself to you and cry out to Jesus, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me? And as believers, may the resurrection of Jesus be fresh in our lives to know and Jesus is with me. What is it that you're going through this afternoon? Are you having challenges in your marriage, difficulties with one of your kids? Are, are you, you single and you're just tired of it and you're lonely? Did you get some difficult news uh, this week that you've been diagnosed with cancer or a chronic a disease that you're going to deal with possibly the rest of your life? Jesus is with you. He's with you. The promise of the resurrection is Jesus told the disciples, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. With the resurrection of Christ, also Romans 6 tells us is the power of sin. The power of sin has been broken in our lives to where we get to walk in victory. We get to present ourselves in newness of life. So happy Resurrection Sunday. I hope that this show has been an encouragement to you today to just remind you of the importance of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I just want to pray blessing over you and churches as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ this Sunday. Father, thank you for the amazing gift of your son. We never want to take it for granted. Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins and rising again. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's where we put our hope. And Jesus, we do thank you that you're alive and that you're present in our lives. 
Would you bless the body of Christ in Colorado Springs and Southern Colorado and Pueblo as we gather this Sunday? And would you bring unbelievers, Lord? Would you give us opportunities to share the gospel with unbelievers? Would you bring unbelievers to churches throughout Southern Colorado and bring many to come to know you? So we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you have a great evening. God bless you. Happy Easter. But it couldn't fill me There's empty breaks And treasures that fade Are never enough And you came along Three-star general Michael J. Flynn Head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells The explosive new documentary, Flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost And covers the facts behind this scandal Flynn told the truth He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life Is right here in America They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it I was like, I'm not changing it They had to get rid of Flynn with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.